For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, guys, back here on Southeastern 14 with Max Barr, and we are sharing our reaction to the weekend action in SEC basketball. Huge slate on Saturday, as we talked about last week, but also uh, a couple interesting games on Sunday as well. We will not go through every single game uh, in detail, but there will be some that uh, we kind of you know hit on towards the end. So we will mention your team somewhere. We may just not spend a lot of time on them if it was not the results you wanted or if it was kind of a game that uh, didn't really stand out. But of course, before we do that, Max, we got to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Uh, all the major sports are in action this week. College football playoffs right around the corner, as you guys know. Uh, so, Bet Online continues to be your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, uh, NHL games this season. It's all there. So, head on over to betonline.ag today to get in on the action, see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use that promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And keep in mind, we're going to have some big prediction videos uh, coming up, too, with some some big games on the horizon. So if you want to bet on those games, college basketball, college football, anything, you can do that by heading to Bet Online where the game starts. All right, Max, uh, like we said, we usually sometimes go in order of these. We're not going to do that here. We're going to focus more on the bigger games to start with, and then we'll kind of wrap everything up with uh, some thoughts on all the others. Uh, Texas A&M in Houston. I mean, this was kind of one I thought that, you know, went sort of as we expected, uh, except for the fact that Tyrese Radford was out again. Um, and that was one that we did not expect because we mentioned him in the preview that, hey, great to have Tyrese Radford back with Wade Taylor. You pair those two guys together. A&M's got a chance here, and they're going to have a chance to beat a lot of teams when you have those two in the backcourt. Didn't happen again here. But <clears throat> Wade Taylor, I mean, he's the best player in the SEC. If you look at this guy and the way he's playing, perhaps, um, of course, there's a couple other guys that we'll talk about that, that may have a, a claim to that. But um, he was the preseason player of the year and he did everything he could to try to, you know, will the, the Aggies to victory here. But Houston gets a 70 to 66 win in this one, Max. Um, yeah, I mean, another game without Radford, um, you know, hope everything continues to go well there because, you know, as Buzz Williams mentioned, I just don't know right now. So. Um, the Aggies sit at seven and four, but had their chances. It just, you know, they needed that extra punch and Wade Taylor, 34, the next closest person scoring wise had seven. And that was Jace Carter and Hayden Hefner. Yeah. I mean, unfortunate to not have Radford in a game like this. And we had mentioned a few, uh, A&M games ago when they had to play Virginia without Radford, we had mentioned just how unfortunate that is not only because Radford is, is, this is going to probably be the second leading scorer, maybe third behind Henry Coleman with how good he's been on offense, but nonetheless, a major piece. And when you take that out and you play against a team with a Reese Beekman, that is just not ideal. Very similar with Houston when you got to play a Jamal Shedd. You don't want to just have one guard option, but when you have Wade Taylor, I mean, wow, that was some performance. The thing that I've been harping on in this team uh, for so long is who's going who's gonna to step up to support? He's the big three. You know, it was Dexter Dennis last year. Every game, it was him. Who's stepping up? Is it going to be Hefner, Carter, Obasaki, Lawrence? Well, 
in this game, in their in their hardest game, where we start to find where the minutes are are being distributed, it was Hefner and Carter. Now Carter, one of seven from three, had some good looks, had a few threes that he jacked up a little bit too quickly in the shot clock, in my opinion. But seems like Hefner and Carter are the two taking the range there. If they can just make a few more shots, be a little bit more productive for 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 Taylor. Texas saying might 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 walk away with a win in this one if they didn't also. They didn't put themselves in such a deep hole to start the game. I mean, four-point game. This thing was looking like a blowout pretty early. Um, I mean, the, the story remains, Blake. The story remains, how do you knock this team too much for a decent result without Tyrese Radford? I mean, what are we supposed to do here? Yeah, I mean, look, they beat Ohio State. They beat Iowa State. Um, you know, the other four games, they've lost toward Atlantic by seven, Virginia by 12. Memphis by six, Houston by four. Like we mentioned, I mean, the, some of those games we know they played with three of those games they played without Tyrese Radford. And what the Memphis game was that the first game back for him? I don't remember exactly how it fell, but um, so yeah, right. I mean, it's just kind of you're right. Like, how do you knock them for it? But we said they were scheduling tough in the non conference. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to take advantage of a lot of those, but they do still have wins over Ohio State and Iowa State. And now things kind of slow down with the next two before they play LSU to start SEC play uh, on January the 6th. So, all right, let's get to the one that I think a lot of people watching this video are probably here for. Kentucky, 87, North Carolina, 83. Um, We said this would be a very entertaining game. It was. um, And, yeah, I mean, this was one, like we said, Max, if you wanted to see what the upside of this Kentucky team was, which we've seen throughout the season, you know, whether it was the Kansas game for a good chunk of that, um, you know, the Miami game for certain stands out, you know, but, you know, of course, like we said, we had that, oh, what happened in the Wilmington game? And you kind of, you know, scratch your head a little bit here at times. But now this was the kind of game that you see what Kentucky is capable of. Um, and, and here's like, I think it's pretty simple is this, right? Eight guys on this team score between what, seven and 17 points. Um, I mean, just you see kind of it at each time and i think i don't even know like who do you pick from max it's like oh yeah i remember this guy making a big basket here and then this guy nice. made the big basket here and it's like oh yeah i remember dillingham doing this but then oh that's right wagner did that and you just keep going down the line and you're like man this is why i think we're so high on kentucky um and you can see the upside that's there i told you i said look you know in terms of upside and i think as, as someone else was debating this yesterday i think it's hard not to look at Kentucky and say they've got the most upside of anybody in the SEC um, just because when all the pieces are in place, which thankfully they are now, right? Um, Hey, you can see that what they can do and and how they can, you know, kind of impact the game one through eight, one through nine. Like it's just, that's how many options they have. And we talked about the depth on this team entering the season. um, And you're starting to really see that now on display. And this was a game where, North Carolina made its run, um, all of a sudden grabs the lead, you know, in the second half, and you're wondering, uh-oh, you know, what? how does this Kentucky team respond after having a 12-point lead or whatever it was? Carolina took the lead with like five minutes to go. They responded by coming down, making big plays, and finding a way to get a huge win um, there in Atlanta. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I took away from this game was uh, just that Kentucky has late-game guards – that when you get into a, I mean, that intensity of that game, oh, yeah. I mean, I felt it like through my TV, how intense that game was. It was nuts. I, and I was in Atlanta 
could feel the feel the tension from State Farm in my apartment. Um, so when you have a game that intense with that much stakes on the line, uh, and you got guards that can go one on one, break down, dribble, drive, one on one, get a tough. I mean, how many tough like running oh, yeah. floaters did Dillingham have down the yeah. down the line there? I mean, tough, tough baskets. Um, so just right there, I really like that. How you know, coming down the line, heading heading more towards March, when you get these close, close late game situations, Kentucky's going to be able to to get to their spot pretty much every offensive possession. But what I really wanted to talk about here, two two things, and it, it's all with the front court. Uh, Adu Thiero, seventeen minutes, four blocks. Ugana Yenso, ten minutes, three blocks. That's twenty seven minutes combined, seven blocks from from Thiero and, and Ugana. So just cra- crazy effort. The 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 energy was just exploding in this game. What I really wanted to harp on, though, the Bradshaw-Baycott matchup. Okay, Aaron Bradshaw in his third game. Okay, This kid just turned 19 in November, all right? Last month, just turned 19. In 21 minutes, it's 12 points, three rebounds, two steals, only two turnovers, okay? Got in a little bit of foul trouble, but... That's where you have Thiero and Ugana step up, and it doesn't. You don't miss his absence all that much. Baycott, okay, who turns 24 in March. Okay, he's 23 right now. I'm 23. 31 minutes. Okay, 10 more minutes than Bradshaw. Nine points, six rebounds, a steal, a block, six turnovers. The 19-year-old won the matchup. I mean, come on. Aaron Bradshaw is good, really good. Way better than I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm jumping with joy uh from from this result. The guards made the plays late game, the front court was physical. Man, what a game. What a game. Yeah. I mean, look, and again, North Carolina took the lead. I was looking at this as you were talking, like five fifteen to go. Baycott makes the free throw 72-71. Carolina leads the game. And then what happens like right after that? Like Bradshaw makes the layup, Dillingham makes the layup. Dillingham. Uh, then Dillingham does another one. So like in a span of a minute and a half, all of a sudden Kentucky's on a 6-0 run after North Carolina takes the lead. And again, I think that's where you see this team. That's what they've been good at. Um, yes. Is, uh, and I think we've seen that before. And, and again, I know you can kind of take out the Wilmington game and um, obviously the Kansas game. They were in a great position. And then you know Kansas just kind of took over from there. But I think you're starting to see like, you know, the responding to again, a team making a run like that, even just taking the lead. We know mentally what that can do. It's like, oh man, we mm-hmm. just had this, you know, 12 point lead, double digit lead. You knew Carolina was going to make a run at some point, um, you know, and they were able to again take the lead there for a short stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just you've got gamers. Like, I, I these, yes, these guys are gamers. Like, they are just, that's yep. what they are. And, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of them are young and they're gamers. Like, you know, and that's that's what you want to see. So you've got that blend of older guys who have been around here before. Fearless. You know, they, Yeah, like Reeves has, has been in these spots before. Mitchell's been in these spots before. Think about all the other guys. Like, this is kind of, you know, most of the other guys, the first time they've been in these kind of positions. And like you said, they're fearless. Like, they just go in and make plays, and they don't care. And so, um, yeah, man, I mean, this team is – Boy, when you see them get going like they did for, you know, at various points in this game, you can see why that, you know, we were so high on them coming into the season and why I think everyone sees the upside that's there with this team. And, you know, they didn't even shoot as well as they have been. 
Um, and yet, you know, they're still able to find a way to go eight to 23 in this game, 35% Plus on the boards, right? 18 offensive rebounds. There's no Oscar Sheepway. Like we're used to, you know, he's not, he's not on the floor anymore. They got 18 offensive rebounds as a team. So, uh, that's, that's good too. So huge win for Kentucky. Um, yep. you know, normally this is the spot where we'd say, all right, well now you get to go on and play the rivalry game against Louisville. Ooh, that could be, um, hey, that may Louisville not be pretty. good against Pepperdine. Well, it may not be pretty uh, for the Cardinals uh, in that game. We'll see how that plays out. But a huge win for Kentucky. Louisville, yep. Illinois State up next. And then Kentucky starts SEC play on the road on January 6th against the Florida Gators. All right. We're going to just, again, kind of cruise through a couple other uh, these games. Uh, all right. Let's just talk about Ole Miss for a second, Max, because they're still unbeaten. Right. And, you know, I know this is why you, you showed up to work this morning here because yep. you just want to talk about Ole Miss. 10 and 0. They are they are 10 and 0 on the season now. And what do you know? They play another game that's decided by 10 points or fewer. This one was decided by 10. So on the on the higher side for the Rebels, uh, as they get an 88-78 win over Cal. Um, you know, Cal's a, a work in progress. I think that's probably putting it lightly. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, Ole Miss does it again, right? And the the bigger story here was, of course, the debut of one Brandon Murray who um, finally out on the floor. And we'll, we'll talk about this NCAA nonsense another time. But, I mean, I think you see it, Max. Like, he only scored three points here, uh, played 17 minutes, you know, didn't really take a lot of shots. Like, you know, but he had four assists. Um, I still think just the addition of him, that gives you a, another guy to work with. And I tell you, when you look at this, they played eight guys, basically, right? Because um, Murray, Caldwell, Cissé all came off the bench. Uh, and then, of course, Morrell, Flanagan, uh, Jalen Murray, Brakefield, and Sharp. Um, that's a, I think this is why we were excited about this team going into the season. That one through eight right there alone, like that is, that's a group you can win a lot of games with. And, you know, now that the full pieces are back in place for the first time, and we'll see how long this goes, depending on the NCAA stuff. But one through eight, people will say, well, Ole Miss hasn't played anybody. They may fall off. They may, but. One through eight, I'm I'm fine with that group going up against top tier SEC competition. Yep, you already know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> May 31st, Blake. May 31st is when I said this would be a top 25 team. Seven months later, here we are, finally. Um, so many different guys that can hurt you, and that's not what we thought coming into the season. We were, I was really just, I thought that this would be like, if you told me. Five months ago, Ole Miss is going to play a Mark Madsen Cal team. I'm going to say, okay, the, the total's going to be the game's going to end 50 to 45. Yeah, yeah you know that's not what we're seeing here. This offense uh, is firing on all cylinders. A, a big reason why is is Matthew Morrell uh, broke down his shooting splits from the first six first six games to the past four. Okay, first six games, Morrell shoots eight of 32, 25 percent from three. Past four games, he has shot 15 of 23, 65.2% from three. So the guy's just shooting lights out, and that's opening up the floor spacing a lot. Um, is he going to shoot 65% the rest of the season? Probably not, but probably more towards 35-40. Um, Cissé and Sharp combined for 35 minutes, five blocks. That's one thing that we really liked coming into this season was the 40 minutes of constant rim protection. It's there. Um the one thing that I want to say, though, is the Ken Palm disrespect here, Blake. Way better than 90th. 
This team is not the 90th team. And like you tell me there's 89 better teams than Ole Miss right now. Oh, give me a break. But uh, yeah, undefeated Ole Miss, just getting better. Um, and if you if you haven't watched them because they, they haven't played a lot of like prime time games, if you haven't watched, this is a fun team. Juju Murray is is crafty, flashy. They've got shooters around. They bring in TJ Caldwell off the bench who can shoot. It's a fun team. It's not this, it's not this grindy nasty slow defensive team or actually actually get up and down and run a little bit so a little bit of a different team than I thought it would have been but still winning you don't know what I think about Ole Miss being at 90 and Ken Palm right now you want to know who number 89 is without cheating who is it I don't even want to know <laughs> you don't <laughs> Oklahoma State who is who is currently five and five has lost to Abilene Christian St. Bonaventure Notre Dame Creighton and Southern Illinois it's best what are we doing here? Oral Roberts, who is 178. <laughs> are you so, kidding me? That's that's what I think about Ole Miss being ranked. Um, I got nothing against Ken Paul. I, I again, I love it, but it's just I don't think just yet it is um, set the the course for what is actually happening on the court at times. Um, so, but that's okay. You're you're getting more data as each game is played, and so uh, we'll see kind of where Ole Miss. Um, winds up they're gonna they should continue to, to rise would be my guess but we'll see um well they got tennessee like, coming up maybe it's like the net maybe you know the more games oh, you play God. and win you just you go further down because they're not winning by enough right so i mean they're they're the ultimate like anti-net old misses like you know oh, that's yeah. all about you got to win games by 40 man they're, they're not beating anybody by 40 so um i don't even know where they're at in the net. i think i put the numbers out yesterday but i hate the uh, net yeah well Oh, there's another team in the net that's uh, has reached a point that I don't think I thought any SEC team would reach. Ole Miss is 64 in the net, so actually that's much higher than I thought they would be. Um, that's much more accurate. Yeah, so 64 in the net. If we were playing old school NCAA basketball, they would be the last team in the tournament, right? You just pick the top 64 teams. So give me Ole Miss against the number one overall seed right now. So um, I don't think that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's how they do it in the rankings, though. But, They'll be top right. 25 here. Oh, yeah. Let's see. What's the next game we need to hit? Oh, yeah. Creighton, Alabama. Uh, Creighton 85, Alabama 82. I, I feel like this, we should just loop the preview. Like, because I, I think we should just, rather than say anything, we just put the preview on loop because I, I told you, we were talking about this morning before we started recording. Like I thought this game went exactly the way we thought it would like to the T. Like, I mean, I, this was pretty much what you thought it would be. Um, two teams that were going to score a lot of points. I thought it may be a higher scoring game than it was actually, which is wild that 85, 82 felt like a low scoring game for me for these two. But I mean, Max, it, it, what, what did I tell you? My biggest concern was for Alabama in this game, uh, beside the obvious of the defense, right? I told you, I said, my fear is that they're not going to shoot it well from three. Well, and I also told you, I thought they'd shoot 40. <laughs> they only shot 22. <laughs> I know. And they went what I say, 46? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe. Maybe you said 46. Um, <laughs> so they, they go 4 of 22 from 3. And I said, if you know if that happens, they're in trouble. Like, they really weren't, though. 
I mean, they had a chance to win the game, and what they did was take advantage of what we said with Creighton, a team that give up that had given up what sixty eight ish percent of their points in leading into this game from two. And Alabama said, "All right, we're going to take what you give us. We're going to go in. We're going to kind of you know try to take advantage of that, knowing that this is a team that doesn't give up a lot from three. They don't foul a lot, and that kind of proved itself too, right? Alabama only shot thirteen free throws in this game. Uh, Creighton had sixteen fouls for the game as a whole." But all that to say, like Alabama had their chances. I thought they they did exactly what you probably should have done to give yourself the best chance offensively. Uh, because again, we didn't know if this would be a game three point wise, where if they're just not hitting shots or if Creighton's just not giving them the opportunities, go take advantage of what they give you. But I mean, defensively, I feel like we're a broken record at this point. But what else do you say? You know, right now they they cannot defend without fouling. Um, you know, they're just giving up too many good opportunities that either turn into points or turn into free throws. And I mean, I, I don't, again, I feel like we go back to our season preview. I told you, I'm like the guy's name. I will say it all season long. Cause I just think this team, you don't even understand how much different this team would be if they just had one guy. And I'm not no, talking about saying. Brandon Miller, right? I'm not talking about Noah Klein, nope. which again, love that those guys, but it's Charles Bediaco. Like if they just had that guy, how many blocks do they have in this game, Max? One. One. A single block, right? So you think about that. I mean, sure, guys are impacting shots, but statistically, you just look at it. It's just, it's hard, you know, if you're doing that. If you're not affecting shots, if you don't have that guy in the middle who can affect shots, you know, it leads to what we what we saw in this game. Like, I thought, again, this played out exactly as expected. Um I think by the time the game started, I was like, I'm changing my mind. I'm going all in on Alabama to win this game. But yeah, they just they could not. And, and it's where, that's where it gets frustrating probably if you're an Alabama fan, right? Just a couple defensive plays where you, you go without fouling or you get a couple you know, stops here or there. You don't give up the easy opportunities. You win the game, but just didn't happen. Yeah, like I said earlier, uh, Wagi is you know starting to – be that not nah, he's not he's nowhere close Bediaco, but the best rim protection that they have but he just cannot stay out of foul trouble he cannot defend without fouling uh just cannot do it every game now um so until until he uh Wagi that is until he learns how to defend without fouling until and Pringle had a decent game but more offensively right all right Pringle brings yeah. a little bit more offense rather than defense um I still like the fight though you know they're never out of a game they're not Alabama is not going to get blown out. They just shot the worst they're ever going to shoot pretty much. And they're not getting blown out. They're just, they're never going to, their offense is too good to get blown out. So that's where I, I do like them. Um, my preseason worries about Aaron Estrada translating, maybe having a little bit of a hiccup early on is he kind of, he just kind of seems like he's not really sure what the offense needs from him. Um, just looks a little bit hesitant, doesn't really know his role rate right now. Um, and does, you know, Sears going off have a little bit to do with that? Kind of throws Estrada off of his rhythm. Maybe I'm not sure, but, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, you nailed it, you know, with what we've been talking about and what we've been harping on with Alabama. The one thing I'm, I'm trying to stay positive with this team because I like their fight. They, they got fight. Uh, and I really like that. Um, they're never going to be out of a game. They just, I mean, until we see this front court defense tighten up, this is what we're going to see every game against a good opponent. This is what we're going to see. Um, but 
just to to reloop back to what I like, this team's never going to be out of a game. They're just always going to be in it. Yeah. I if you're an Alabama fan, I don't think you should be overly concerned. Like because like you said, I think they've got all the pieces to where and look, we we talk about numbers and stuff, right? They're still number 9 in Ken Palm. I think they're number 10 in the net. Like and this is where scheduling helps you. This is where we're going to I think see Alabama this is going to pay off. Like I know right now it's like, well, our four best opportunities, we've lost them all. But you're going to see these games pay off. And remember, they, they play Arizona on Wednesday. So I think you'll see this pay off down the road. Like once we get into SEC play, once you get into those kind of stretches where you're playing, you know, those tough combination of games in one week and all that. So, uh, but the defense has to get better. There's no doubt about it. But like you said, too, if you want to be positive, they made four threes. Um, foul trouble <laughs> across the board still gave up a lot of, you know, baskets. They probably shouldn't have. And they lost by three points on the road. Put it this way. If this, road. if it's flipped, they play at Coleman instead of Omaha. I think Alabama wins. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're probably making more than four threes. So making more than four <laughs> yeah. threes and they're not getting that whistle. So, yeah. So there you go. All right. Again, Arizona on Wednesday, which we will Jeez. we will preview that one too. The gauntlet of game. It's like we've been doing nothing but previewing Alabama games here on the channel, but they've had the most high-profile games, uh, as we know, here recently. All against this, teams uh, with monsters in the front court. Just unbelievable stretch. And I'm sure Alabama's thrilled at the fact that uh, Arizona lost to Purdue, which means they'll come out nice and hungry maybe for that one. All right. Uh, most probably won't spend a lot of time on this one, but Tennessee gets another win, 79-70. Yeah. Over NC State, uh, the Vols moved to eight and three. They've won four in a row now since uh, that three-game losing streak to Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina. Um, any huge takeaways for you in this one, Max? I mean, you know, Josiah Jordan James, twenty-three points. Guy Ziegler, twenty points, and and I think that maybe most notable in this one, I thought Ziegler playing thirty-eight minutes in this one. Um, if you had any questions about this guy being all the way back, uh, which we know he's been playing this season, but thirty-eight minutes is nice to see. I think for him, he gave you eight assists, only three turnovers. Um, shades of the old guys, especially making the threes. And that's where I, I do think that's maybe the biggest takeaway for me here. Don Connect scores two points. Two. You know, and Tennessee, though, that's where you see if you can have this from Josiah Jordan James and Kai Ziegler. These guys go to combine. I think it was nine of 16 from three, nine of 15 from three. That's not going to happen every game. But if you can get the offensive output from those guys consistently, uh, and you you kind of show that they can step up when a Dalton Connect is one of seven from the floor or whatever he was. That's why I think this Tennessee team just continues to be dangerous. Uh, one through eight is they got a lot of guys who can step up and make shots um, when needed. And, you know, this was kind of that unusual game from Dalton Connect where you know, he had seven. I think the last game was Jordan Southern had two here against NC State. I don't think this guy's fallen off by any means, but um Showing that a James and a Ziegler can step up, that's one of the reasons why I think we were so high on Tennessee, just because it does feel like they have a lot more offensive options uh, when they get in some of those stretches where maybe their best offensive player uh, is not hitting shots. A lot of times I like when a coach will just come out in the post-game press conference and kind of do our job for us and just do the <laughs> analyst sure. for us. And uh, that's what Rick Barnes did this game. He goes, uh, that was rock bottom for Connect. So, I mean, you don't have to hear it from us. That's right from from coach. So, yeah, you find a way to win when you're a best scorer as rock bottom on a night. Um, spread was spread was nine and a half and you almost cover when when connect puts up only two points. Um, 
what was it, two or four or something like that? Whatever it was. Yeah. Connect horrible game. Zakai Ziegler, back. Back. Okay. I was I was probably public enemy number one for Zakai Ziegler. He probably doesn't know who I am. But um <laughs> I was I was kind of dogging on him for his few games. I was like, I know he's coming back from the injury, but if you're gonna play, you gotta put in good minutes. Um, and now he is. Okay. He's got his I don't know what game it was that he flipped the switch, or maybe it was a practice, or you know, maybe it was just something clicked with with Ziegler, and he and he's got his mojo back. He's playing aggressive, he's making threes, shooting well. Uh, so hey, Tennessee, when you got your guy back, things are things are going well. So you found a way to win when when Connect had a t- terrible game. I like it. Yeah, balls finish up non conference schedule against Tarleton State. And Norfolk State before they open, uh, as we mentioned a minute ago, against Ole Miss uh, in Knoxville. So, fun opener there for those two teams. All right, Max, we're going to move. We're going to get back to, to some of the Saturday games in a second, everyone. So, if we didn't have your team mentioned your team yet, we will here in kind of the wrap up portion. But uh, Sunday, we did want to note Auburn ninety one, USC seventy five. Um, yeah, I mean, we had Auburn at number three last week in our power rankings. I think some people were like, "Wait a second, you sure about that?" Yeah, because I can say right now they're going to be top three again this week. Um, I would be safe to assume that's the case. Uh, yeah, this was one where, you know, again, early in the season, I felt like defense was kind of the theme that we talked about, you know, seeing how they continue to develop on that side of the floor. But, man, you look at the offense here for Auburn. I mean, they are they found something. They found a bit of a groove here. Um, you know, after that Appalachian State game, if you take that out of the mix – you see what they've done offensively. You know, you see the balance they had in this game. Five players scored between 11 and 15 points. Um, that's what you want to see, Max, for, from this Auburn team. And you start to see guys who are making shots, and that's where I think you're seeing, you know, the addition of an Aiden Holloway when he has some of those big games. It's coming from the three-point line, right? The four of seven here, the five of eight against Indiana um, for, from long range. Like, that's one of the reasons why expectations were so high for him. It's his ability to step up and make those kind of shots. Auburn goes 38% from three in this game. You'll take that if you're Auburn. I mean, eight of 21, that's a nice, efficient number uh, for, from the three-point line. And so, um, yeah, this was a really good performance, I thought, from the uh, the Tigers. And, again, seeing kind of the balance, seeing all the different guys they have available uh, that can step up and have, you know, a significant game offensively, that was nice to see here. And that's kind of been the theme uh, recently for the Tigers. I think we're starting to see how dangerous this team this team can be, especially with their depth and their physicality. Okay, bringing in Cardwell and Cardwell. Okay, he had like a career night, right? Um, but man, he's good. You know, you can't deny it. He's he. You you maybe look at Mississippi State, but other than them, I don't know many teams that have a better backup front court than than this squad right here. So. I mean, you look at the Ken Palm numbers, and you've heard me just harp on how much I hate Ken Palm today. Well, this part this part passes the eye test, and it showed up in the in the the results this year. Their assist rate is unbelievable. They have, they have the fifth assist rate nationally, assisting on just under seventy percent of their made field goals, and that and it showed in the game at halftime. Aiden Holloway and Donaldson combined for eight assists. Zero turnovers. I mean, that's some crazy yeah. efficiency. That's some crazy numbers. So, I mean, the team, we, we, we've been talking, uh, you know, this past month about how 
teams have had injuries and teams haven't had guys from waivers and we're just trying to figure out identities. Not Auburn. They know that they know their roles and they're playing they're playing smooth, clean offense together. The defense is nasty. I don't know really what bad you can say about this team right now. No, I, I think again they're they've they've started to have some things click together. Um yeah. and they're gonna finish non conference portion, Alabama State, Chattanooga, Penn, uh, and then they will start conference play january 6th at arkansas so um all right max those are kind of the the, the featured games i guess we're, we're going to discuss here now everything else we will run through i'm just going to give you some scores all right and you just take this wherever you want to take it uh you just you know you don't have to hit all in all of them but i'm just going to give you the scores and you can start here start there and we'll see where this conversation goes to wrap things up texas 96 lsu 85 so um you know kind of a tell two halves i thought with that one georgia gets a Ugly, 66-58 win against High Point. Arkansas, 69. Lipscomb, 66, which I know Hog fans watching. Uh, that was closer than you wanted it to be. Uh, South Carolina, 73. Charleston Southern, 69. Gamecock fans watching. That was closer than you wanted it to be. Um, Texas Tech, 76. Vanderbilt, 54. I don't know what to add on that one, um, just based on what we talked about with, with the Commodores recently. Mississippi State on Sunday, 72. Gets a 72-54 win over North Texas. Uh, and then... Missouri fans watching, probably also disappointed. Seton Hall, 93, Missouri, 87. So I just gave you like eight games to choose from there, Max. Uh, any any highlights, lowlights, which, like you said, you probably find some on both. Uh, what stood out to you the most from all these other games? If we're starting out on a positive note, Kashawn Murphy for Mississippi State had his best game of the year. Finally looked 100%. Finally looked healthy. And Chris Jans in the postgame uh, presser said, you know, he just changes our offense. You know, and so when when Tolu Smith gets back, watch out for this front court. I mean, that's an and it's not only the front court, you know, it's because it, you have DJ Jeffries and and Cam Matthews there. This is just the center position, just center. You got Tolu Smith, Jimmy Bell Jr. and Kashawn Murphy. That's nasty. That's nasty. OK, not many teams have that much physicality and, and quality. Uh, so. Mississippi State started out slow, but found a way to, to grind out a win and, and kind of hold North Texas to really nothing. Um, Seton uh, Hall is a great offensive rebounding team, and um, you kind of saw what we we thought we would without Caleb Grill. It's just – it's Nick Honor, it's Sean East, it's Tamar Bates. After that, it drops off a cliff. So they're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, how to how to give those three a rest without Caleb Grill. Um LSU, the one thing I wanted to note is I, I, I think this team has no clue who what their identity is. I mean, Hunter Dean, 28 minutes. His previous high was 12 on the year. Will Baker only plays 11 minutes. I think they're still trying to figure it out. But, hey, you only lose by 11 uh, to a Dylan DeSue game. So, tell it two halves there. You, you kind of nailed it on that one. Um, and then Arkansas, this is straight from Musselman. Musselman, straight quote from after the game. We're trying to figure out who we are, plain and simple. That's all. The, and you can you can tell when you watch it. No clue. The 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 offense is just completely stagnant. Ball screen defense on on defense. The pick and roll just dices this defense up. So uh, just not a lot of identity right now. And, the, and Musselman said it himself. They don't know who they are right now. So uh, that's that. And then one last thought on South Carolina. Um, when Michi and Cooper go out. When Michi and Cooper go out, it's tough. Okay, there. Uh, I looked at the Bart Torvik numbers. Players that play twenty five percent minutes or more, J 
Jacoby Wright and uh, the four the freshman. I'm gonna butcher this last name bad, but Morris Yagusik, Ugusik, what whatever his last name is. I'm sorry, it's a tough name to pronounce. But they're both bottom ten in the SEC and plus minus. So moral of the story: when Michi Johnson and Talon Cooper go out, there's a huge drop in production, and that's kind of that's kind of plaguing this offense right now. But those are my quick thoughts. You got anything, Blake? Well, I will bring up the Arkansas. Um, actually, I'll talk about the two things that probably are disappointing. The two teams we talk about a lot here on the channel last year, as we know, was Missouri and Arkansas. Um, and I think for the Arkansas, you mentioned one of the quotes Musselman said. I'm going to add the other one that he said. Um, you know, like you said, trying to figure out who you are. And then he followed up with who plays with consistency, who can react to loose balls, who can defensive rebound, who can keep the ball in front of them. Like those are all questions that they're still trying to figure out and they yeah. are 10 plus games in the season. Right. Um, yeah. Like that is, that is concerning. Um, That's an issue. And again, that they just have not figured that out before. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, you've, you've seen it at times with this team, but again, one thing you did add is, you know, talking about the differences between past teams and this team and how every team is different basically. Um, and then I think he said his own personality. That was the quote he used. Um, but he also kind of pl- plainly said there's no traits that our past teams had. Uh, basically, I guess, in terms of, like this team and the past teams. So it's a different team. And that's why they are trying to figure everything out. And it's not made for a, a pretty, you know, experience most of the time through these 11 games uh, outside of the Duke game, right? Like that was the big highlight. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because like we mentioned, like, don't look now, but they got to play UNC Wilmington on December the 30th. And we've already seen what Wilmington uh, can do um, when they go into SEC country at this point, which, again, they, they are 8-2 and two right now. Like, don't just completely overlook Wilmington at this point. But, um, yeah, so I'm curious to see when do they figure it out? When do they find out who they are? How quickly does that come together? Because we've seen this struggle earlier than expected. You know, usually it's the first of SEC play, somewhere in their end of non-conference play. But it's happened earlier this year uh, than we thought. And, and look, they played a tough schedule, too, with, with the different teams that are on there, like we mentioned, whether it's Memphis, Carolina, Duke, Oklahoma, and so forth. So, yeah, um, I'm not concerned, but I do think it's – he sounds like, you know, he's concerned with some things. And so if the head coach is saying that, then we have every reason to look at that, too. Now, on the Missouri front, I won't just be negative, too. I'll finish with a positive uh, also, but – this is just, a, I mean, it's kind of the same as Arkansas. This is just a different Missouri team. If you came yeah. into the season thinking this was going to be the team like last year, it was not going to happen. And that's one of the reasons why we probably had them a bit lower. I don't remember if we had them eighth night and something like that uh, in the SEC. It was just, it was easy to look at this team on paper and just say, hey, I, I said every conversation with Missouri led with two things. It's like they don't have Kobe Brown. They don't have Des Moines Hodge. Yep. Of course, you know, as the resident Dennis Gates expert here, like I, I trust Dennis Gates to figure it out. But it's also understandable that when you look at this team, I don't know that there was ever the expectation that this looked like a team that was going to be a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, it just was not, I think you had, there was too much to figure out. There were a lot of unknowns. Um, And again, you removed, I thought, two of the biggest pieces of the puzzle from last year. And yet I think you could look at this roster and be like, I I don't really see anyone who's going to replace those guys individually. And we've seen that to this point. It just hasn't happened. Um, yes, we've seen Shawnee step up, have big games. Nick Connors had big games. Um, you know, Bates having 22 was great, but I just think the defensive issues are still there, uh, you know, to, to say the least. And 
those were corrected last year. They weren't even, I don't know if they were ultimately corrected. They were aided by the fact that they were so good offensively. But the question I asked you not long ago about Missouri, what do they do like as well as anybody? Like where is their elite area? Free throw shooting. That's about it. Like, and if that's like your number one, you know, highest percentage area, that's not great because, you know, that's, I mean, they block shots too. I forgot to, let's not take that away from them, but, and they can force turnover. They do that. But last year it was just so obvious, right? When you look at the numbers, like, oh, wow, that's a top 10 team in this area. That's a top 10 team in that area. And they just don't have that offensively right now. And they're not, again, they're just not great defensively. Um, So when you put them in this kind of, situation where they're playing teams that aren't you know bad you're going to have those inconsistencies and we've seen that uh, and of course they got illinois on friday which will not be a an easy game by any means so yeah so arkansas fans missouri fans we got a lot of you that watch our stuff on the channel but it's a grind right now and it, it may be a grind for a while um for these teams but we'll see how it plays out uh, on the positive front max i mean i, I guess I'll, I'll just add like South Carolina still 91. I know it wasn't pretty against Charleston Southern. Uh, last couple games have been a little iffy in terms of how they played. And like you mentioned, if you take one of those, two of those guys out of the equation, I call them the big four, like then maybe you've got some issues. But I'm curious to see how they play on Tuesday against Winthrop because Winthrop's not a bad team. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see how they, you know, if they can keep this thing going. So that's all I got, Max. Blake, the numbers are backing up your uh, Missouri analysis there. They're, their turnover and steal percentage has dropped 3% from last year already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it was just a different team. And yep. I think it's, I don't know, you know, we had our fun last year in Missouri. Everyone knows like, you know, we, we've had our fun with the Dennis Gates stuff. And yes, me saying whatever I said when he was hired um, about how I was on him and, you know, sure. It worked out great to start with, but this is basketball in the transfer portal era. And I think Muzz nailed it, right? Like whether it's talking about Missouri, Arkansas, whoever, every team is different now. And mm-hmm. they've got some guy, they had some guys returning, you know, that played big roles, East, Honor, Carter, et cetera. But every team's different because you're always adding multiple pieces every single season. And, you know, I just think it's, and you're removing guys you know, every single season. And I, I think last year, th- there was a lot that went Missouri's way last year. We're not just going to say they got lucky, but you know what? They got lucky at times. Um, because that's what basketball, that's what sports are. Like sometimes you need the ball to bounce your way and they won a lot of close games this year. They've had those struggles. Um, you know, they're seven and four too, by the way, I like they're, you know, four and seven, right. but still, I know that both those fan bases, Arkansas, Missouri expect more. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can understand their frustrations right now as we get closer to the start of a league play, but there you go, Max. There are thoughts on the weekend action in SEC basketball. And um, again, a lot of interesting stuff moving forward in the league. Some interesting storylines. Toulouse Smith should be back soon enough for Mississippi State. Oh, yeah. As that affect the Bulldogs, um, who we talked about, you know, quite a bit. And they're maybe starting to regain some momentum after that two-game losing streak to Georgia Tech and Southern. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of interesting teams and, and some interesting spots uh, as we get ready for conference play. But of course, you guys can follow it all here at Southeastern 14. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Lots of SEC basketball coverage, uh, as always, and SEC football stuff. Bowl season for the SEC officially getting started um, here soon enough. So hit that subscribe button. Check out everything we got on the channel. And as always, we appreciate you watching uh, here. Southeastern 14 presented by Bet.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.